Thank you, Annie. You, you, let me just say this. We, we all have a salvation story. We have a salvation message. We know that God is always at work. And if he's not at work, then why believe? Amen. And so the part of that song that really moves me is, is when I believe, and I looked at that picture when life becomes so heavy and so strong and it seems like we're just sinking, may our faith become stronger because of our great hope that we have in him. And uh, thank you for ministering to us through, through song today. I appreciate it. And I asked Annie last week if, if she would be so inclined and honored to, to sing that for us today. And I just want to say thank you so much. Prospering in the new year, starting over. Um, if you have your Bible, we're going to do something starting this year. And uh, this is going to ha- be how we start off our service. So if you have a Bible, if you have your iPhone, iPad, Samsung, LG, LQ, flip phone, no, whatever you might have. Um, do you have that for up here? Go ahead and bring the words up. And this, I want you to say it if you would with me. There's a Bible that's located in the front of you. But I love the Word of God. And I really do believe that this needs to be the premise of our ministry and the, and, and the foundation of what we do. If we don't have the Word of God, then we don't have church. Because the Word is truth. Amen? So take your Bible, hold it up if you would please, and say this with me as we read together. This is my Bible. God's Holy Word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. This morning, I'm going to be talking about prospering in the new year or starting over in the new year. A woman opened the door of a building and was about to step outside when she heard a voice saying, don't take that next step or you'll regret it. She paused and a brick came crashing to the pavement right where she would have been standing She looked around and there was no one nearby. The next day, this woman was about to step into the street when she heard the same voice that said, don't take that next step or you'll regret it. As she paused, a truck came racing by and smashed into a nearby vehicle. She knew if she hadn't listened to that voice, she would have been hurt badly or maybe even killed. She looked behind her and there was no one nearby. All right. She said, who are you? Said, I am your guardian angel, the voice replied. Oh, if that's the case, the woman said, where were you on my wedding day? (laughs) Sometimes we have regrets over decisions that we have made, or perhaps we may regret things that we have said. This is funny because former U.S. Vice President Dan Quayle said, I was recently on a tour of Latin America, and the only regret regret I have was that I didn't study Latin harder in school so I could converse with those people. There isn't Latin in Latin America for those that are just, it's just like a delayed reaction, right? My guess is later he regretted really making that statement. Do you have regrets? Wish that you could just forget the past? Maybe forget last year. Maybe forget where you worked or what you went through. Maybe you just regret some of the decisions that were made. Well, you came to the place where God erases the sins of the past. You came before him. We worshiped him today. We're in the sanctuary. You can cry out to him. 
for he is the way maker. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you for your word. Father, thank you for being here today. Thank you that in the midst of the song Oceans, that we can all live by faith, realizing that there is hope. And even though we might feel like we're sinking, Lord, we know you're there with us. And you're always there just to reach down and lift us up. Help us to stand tall. For, Father, we want to walk in you. We want to talk in you. We want to live a victorious Christian life. And in 2019, Father God, we claim victory. We claim the year of Jubilee, the year of victory. So, Father, speak to us today. Hide me behind the cross. Help these words encourage to penetrate, allow the word of God to sink into the hearts and souls of those that are here today. In your holy name we pray. Amen. How many times have you said or even heard it said, if only I had to do it over again? Do, do any of you, and I'm sure some of you, remember the Etch-A-Sketch? Who remembers an Etch-A-Sketch in here? Keep a... Okay, good. All right. Michael, the Etch-A-Sketch is the thing with those two dials that draw lines like that. Okay. I know. I, I just had to say that. Because Andy looked at him and said, is that that thing? You know. um, I, I just had to do that because I thought some of our young people, they may not remember uh, what it was. It had no digital readouts. It didn't beep at you or flash. It didn't even take batteries. You twisted two knobs on the bottom of the screen to draw a picture. And if you messed up, all you had to do was shake the thing a couple of times and you got a clean screen, a chance to start all over. And I always, you know, I think my parents bought it for me because, you know, I was mellow, you know, wasn't very hyper. Just kidding, but, you know, for the, hi- the hyper kid in me, just to be able to, to move those lines this way. And isn't it crazy how if you have obsessive compulsive like I do, and that line just went past that other little line, didn't that just irritate you? Man, it made me so mad. But anyhow, but I think I mastered it after some time. And, I mean, there's only some things that you could really make. I mean, I would make, like, things like Martians because they had to have a square head, Right couldn't make it round and then if you tried to make it round am i getting off task here i was just going back in time that's all and uh but you know you couldn't make that perfect circle but uh wouldn't it be nice if like we were like an etch-a-sketch especially things like your maxed out credit card just pick up the card shake it a couple times and the bill is gone no more debt (laughs) And I I know it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Neither does the rest of life. We just can't do that. All of us are on a trip. I didn't say some of you are a trip. I said all of us are on a trip called life. And during the time we live here on earth, we're determining where we will spend eternity. Heavy stakes are involved. Somehow all of us seem to mess up and get ourselves into deep trouble with God. We need a chance to start over. We need a breakthrough. We need a new beginning. We need a, a year of jubilee. We have to complain. We have to uh, not com, uh, complain, but we have to claim that God is still on the throne and that He is continually at work in our best interest. Church, 
We have left God on the throne, pretend he's in another room, slammed the door, and we've not relied on him like we should. God's still there. He hasn't forgotten about us. He wants you to have revival. So let me tell you about an Old Testament word called jubilee. Turn in your Bible, if you would, to Leviticus chapter 25, verses 8 through 12. Leviticus chapter 25, verses 8 through 12. And I'm going to talk just briefly about the year of jubilee. We'll move quickly into the message today, then we'll conclude. And I hope that we all can be challenged this morning about what is our year going to look like? What are we going to do? How is the breakthrough going to come through? I mean, are we, are we going to stay in 2018, 17, 16, 15? Or are we going to start anew? I know my mom embarks upon 2019 as we've lost our, lost our stepdad. And it's great to have mom with us, Ron and Tracy, back. This is a year that's going to change the course of my mom's life. Because she's never lived 45 years without her husband. That is something that we all go through. It's a learned behavior. And, and so, you know, in the face of loss and in the face of, of hardship, we have to realize that God becomes our comforter. God becomes our healer. And he fills that void and gives us peace when we sometimes feel like, where are you and I need you now. And so as we look at um, the Old Testament, the blowing of the ram's horn on the day of atonement, the day of repentance among God's people. What it did is it signaled a release of debt and freeing of slaves. So Leviticus 25, verses 8 through 12. In addition, you must count off seven Sabbath years and sets of seven years, adding up to 49 years in all. Then on the day of atonement, the day of jubilee in the 50th year, blow the ram's horn loud and long throughout the land. So this year, apart as holy, and set this year as a holy year, a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a jubilee year for you when each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors and return to your own clan. This 50th year will be a jubilee for you. During that year, you must not plant your fields or store away any of the crops that grow on their own. And don't gather the grapes from your unpruned vines. It will be a jubilee year for you. And you must keep it holy but you must eat whatever the land produces on its own. In the year of Jubilee, each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors. In that day, if an Israelite got so far in debt that he couldn't pay his creditors, he might sell the land that his ancestors had passed down to him. If he still couldn't pay his debts, he could be forced to sell himself and his family into slavery in order to pay off these bills. There were no bankruptcy laws. If you couldn't pay, you lost your property and your freedom. Pretty dismissal prospects for somebody in dire circumstances. That is where the year of Jubilee actually came in in the Old Testament. A sort of divine etch-a-sketch. Every half century in the year of Jubilee, and, and the land reverted back to its original owners If they weren't alive, it was given back to their families and all Israelite people who had been sold into slavery because of their deaths were finally freed. What an awesome deal, huh? Wouldn't it be great that every 50 years that if you had any debt, it was erased? It was a new beginning, a new start. 
God gave the law of Jubilee for several reasons. First, it kept control of Israel's agriculture economy from moving into the hands of a few powerful landlords. A bit of God's inspired antitrust. More important to the people, though, it gave those who had messed things up beyond hope a chance to start all over. The Israelite nation that God dealt with under the Old Testament system is now gone. The Old Testament law, including the law of Jubilee, was nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. Today, the church is the Israel of God. And we serve under the terms of the New Testament, under the terms of the grace of God. But there is a way that Jubilee fits in today, a way to start over. And let me show it to you. Because today is your day. This year is your year. This is your new beginning. This is your breakthrough. This is your victory. Do you believe that? Look to the person next to you and say, today's your day. It's your year. I love the scripture verse that says, and I could do all things through Christ that gives me the strength. Today I am a conqueror. Today I'm an overcomer. Today I'm going to do this. We can't do it in ourselves, but we can do it in an almighty God. Because he makes a way for us. Look in your Bible to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, we'll be reading 16 through 21. The Bible is talking about Jesus and a certain trip to a synagogue. Right here, we'll see in just a few minutes how interesting that this text is because it contains Jesus reading Scripture about himself. Jesus reading Scripture about Jesus. He didn't read it out of context. He didn't change the words, but simply the fact that he did it caused a few people to take notice. Proof that is a lot of direct reflection of the promised Messiah. In Luke chapter 4, here's what happens. And we start with verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And in verse 18, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news, the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. In verse 21, it says, and he began by saying to them, today, the scripture is fulfilled for your hearing. Today, the scripture is fulfilled for your ears. Did you see what just happened in this text? Jesus walks into the synagogue and picks up a scroll that has to do with the Messiah coming. And basically, he reads his role in this particular text. Listen again to verse 18. It's a direct reading of Jesus, and it correlates with Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim, release to the captives, 
and recovery of sight to the blind, to set those who are downtrodden to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Besides being a prophecy of the coming Messiah, which Jesus applied to himself in this passage, it also is a quote from Isaiah 61, a passage that refers to Jubilee. Can you turn down my monitors just a little bit? Thank you. The phrase to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord is a reference to the 50th year, the year of Jubilee. The coming of Jesus Christ then brought the same opportunity to us today in the ancient year of Jubilee, brought to the Israelites a chance to have a new beginning, a chance to start all over again. So I'm asking the question this morning, how can a person start all over? What is involved What must we understand? What must we do to start over? We'll get that. We'll get the answers to that from this passage in Luke. Jubilee is a prime illustration of God's mercy and of God's kindness. We're more inclined to emphasize his justice over mercy. Oh, you better watch out because when God gets a hold of you, You, I'm telling you, it's not going to look good. Well, first of all, things don't look good when our earthly father's got a hold of us. But one thing about our heavenly father, there is a level of grace and of mercy and of forgiveness that we get. Now, some of you are going, oh, you're not talking about earthly father. Mom got a hold of you. You knew you were in trouble, right? And uh, I'm the authoritarian one in our family. Why do you all laugh like that? Just kidding. Okay, back to the message. One night in 1935, Mayor LaGuardia of New York went to night court in the poorest ward of the city. On this particular occasion, LaGuardia dismissed the judge for the evening and took over the bench himself. Would you love to be in that position? One case involved an elderly woman who was caught stealing bread to feed her grandchildren. LaGuardia said that after she pleaded guilty to the crime, he said, I have to punish you. Ten dollars or ten days in jail. It was obvious that she couldn't pay. As the judge spoke, he threw ten dollars into his hat. He then fined everyone in the courtroom 50 cents for living in a city where a person has to steal bread so that her grandchildren can eat. The hat was passed around. And the woman left the courtroom with her fine paid and an additional $47.50 in her purse. Solely out of the goodness of his heart, the mayor of New York helped this woman who couldn't help herself. He gave her the opportunity to pay her debts and to start all over. What kind of judge is he? But what kind of judge is God? Sometimes we are more inclined to think of him as like the jaded, grouchy, vengeful one. But even when he must punish one who has knowingly rebelled against him, he takes no joy in it. God would much rather pardon a sinner than to condemn one. Kindness and mercy are strong parts of the nature of God. Nave's topical Bible lists over 200 verses that describe the merciful nature of God. The 136th Psalm, written about God's goodness and God's mercy, says 26 times in its refrain, 
His kindness is everlasting. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it tells us that God is rich in mercy. Long ago, a poor woman from the slums of London was invited to go with a group of people for a vacation at the ocean. She had never seen the ocean before, and when she saw it, she started crying. Have you ever been there just because of the the beauty of it? Those around her thought, wow, this is really strange that she would cry after such an enjoyable holiday had been provided for her. Finally, one of them asked her why she was crying. Pointing to the ocean, she answered, this is the only thing I have ever seen that there was enough of. Listen, God has oceans of mercy there's enough of it to extend to every person who desires it and enough of it to cover all of your debt of sin god's mercy and grace is not obtained cheaply or easily yet it is easily and cheaply dismissed let me repeat that again god's mercy and grace is not obtained cheaply or easily yet it is easily and cheaply dismissed An initial sin or mistake leads to regret, which is followed by some destructive coping mechanism. And some of you can relate to this, which brings more sin and mistakes, which prompts more regret and regret and regret and onward and on and on. The downward spiral goes. And some of the coping mechanisms we turn to can include drugs, alcohol, overeating, gambling, pornography, escapism, or inappropriate relationships. When we rely on these things to cope with guilt and hopelessness, we find that regret begets regret. And the cycle continues on and on, spiraling downward. In 1992, a Los Angeles County parking control officer came upon a brown Eldorado Cadillac. Illegally parked next to the curb on on the street on sweeping day. So the officer dutifully wrote out a ticket. Ignoring the man that was seated at the driver's wheel, the officer reached inside the open car window and placed the $30 citation on the dashboard. The driver of the car made no excuses. No argument ensued because of good reason. The driver of the car had been shot in the head 10 to 12 hours before, but was sitting up, stiff as a board, slumped slightly over, He was dead. And the officer, preoccupied with ticket writing, was then unaware of anything out of the ordinary. And so he got back into his car and drove away. Listen closely. Many of us, many of those around us are dead in transgressions and sins. But what should catch our attention most is their need, not their offenses. They don't need a citation. They need a Savior. This year you can have a Savior, a new beginning, a breakthrough. You can meet the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. That's our God and that's who He is. In closing, a man in charge of a drawbridge across a large river brought several of his children to work with him one day. This particular bridge controlled a rail trestle for passenger trains as well as river traffic. The attendant was enjoying showing his children the various structures of the bridge and explaining how that they worked. 
about 10 minutes to 8 o'clock. He stopped and told them he must get back to his control booth because a train was due to pass around 8 o'clock. He put them in a safe area and told them to stay there and watch as the bridge was lowered. Then climbed to the control area and began checking his gauges and levers in preparation for lowering the bridge. As the train approached, the man looked below and saw that his youngest son had left the safe area and was climbing back up into the huge gear mechanism that controlled the bridge pulleys. In their panic, he screamed to the children below to get back where they were told that the noise of the approaching train drowned out his frantic screams. There was no time to get the child out of the gears. He was faced with a choice. He was faced with a decision. Save the people or save the life of his precious little son. As the train thundered onto the bridge, he closed his eyes and pulled the lever to lower the draw section. And as the train passed by, he could see the people in the passenger cars. They were eating, talking, and enjoying themselves, totally oblivious to the sacrifice he had just made on their behalf. And suddenly, as the train was nearing, nearly clear of the bridge, he shouted out above the noise, Don't you realize what I have done for you? Don't you realize what I have done for you? That's the same image, the same illustration that God has sacrificed His only Son on man's behalf while the people of this earth move onward, utterly oblivious to what has been done for them. Not realizing the sacrifice that was made on their behalf. Because most people are preoccupied to recognize either the peril they are in or what has been done on their behalf. If you go to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you will find the Liberty Bell. It was first hung in 1753 in the newly finished Pennsylvania State House. The building that would eventually become Independence Hall. On the now famous bell are inscribed these words, Proclaim liberty throughout all of the land. The inscription then attributes the words of Leviticus 25.10. The Old Testament passage that describes Jubilee. The sound of the trumpet. The sound of the horn. The year of reconciliation. The year of atonement. Of course, the Liberty Bell developed a crack some years after it was originally rung. To the point that today, that bell is quiet. Jubilee, like the Liberty Bell, it is now silent. But the liberty that Jesus Christ proclaimed nearly 2,000 years ago is still being rung. Every day, every hour, calling men and women to come to God and be set free. The new year is how God gives you the opportunity to start over. This year, you too can have a Savior. This year, you too can have a turnaround. This year, you can have a breakthrough. This year, you can be free.
this is your year of jubilee. This is your day of freedom. You too can meet the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. Light in the darkness, that's our God and that's who He is. Don't neglect such a great gift. Don't neglect coming to a Savior that will take away the sins of mankind and reshape you, remake you, so you can rejoice and walk in Him. That's my God. And that's who He is. And that's what this holiday season was all about. Quite fitting that Christmas comes at the end of the year because everybody gets a chance to start over. And if you need to start over, we invite you to come. Come and stand together. Come and sing. Because our God is good and He is faithful and He loves you. He cares for you. No longer where they had to have the year of atonement. It's just a remembrance. So once a